In 2008, my wife and I welcomed our second son into our family, which was so exciting. I remember our first son, Eli, was born, and you're getting out of the hospital, and you're making sure he's strapped in correctly. In fact, they come to make sure that you haven't done something really wrong. You're avoiding bumps on the way home. Uh, our second son, Ben, was born, and, and we are like, we got this. We're, we're professionals. But we got home, uh, and with one kid, you have a baby, and I don't. Yeah, you get a break, right? You kind of get some opportunities to share them back and forth, and you get a rest, maybe a nap in there. Uh, with two kids, you have a baby, I have a baby. It was a whole different way to adjust for our family. And it was in the wake of the birth of Ben um, that we knew uh, we were done having kids biologically. Uh, my wife just had really hard pregnancies, and so we knew that was the end of that journey. Uh, but I was incredibly content with two kids. Uh, again, you have a baby, I have a baby, we don't need to add any more. It's a nice even number. Uh, but my wife felt called to adopt. Now what does that even mean, right? A call to something. Isn't that just Christianese? Like, I'm not called to do this. How do you, how do you, how do you like fight or argue with that? But that's what we were wrestling with, this idea of calling. And I remember one moment we were in this heated argument on our couch in our living room. Uh, both kids had gone down to bed. We were talking about this very topic. And I remember coming to this crescendo in our conversation. It wasn't a fight, but it was a, a heated discussion. And I said, you better start praying that God puts this on my heart because he's calling Katie to adopt. I don't know if he's calling us to adopt. I kid you not, turned on the TV right after that defiant point, and there was a Dateline episode of this family who had adopted a ton of special needs kids, and it melted your heart. And I remember, uh, not that God ordained that that Dateline episode would air, but oddly curious that it popped up at that moment. And that was one of many examples of times that God brought us both that sense of calling. We're in a series called Elementary. It's all about discipleship. And today's is an incredibly important principle because it deals with this idea of can we hear what God is trying to say to us and then what are we going to do about it? That the almighty creator of the universe, the one who spoke and brought everything into being and yet knows us by name would have a plan for our lives in a way that is personal. And even thinking back to that adoption story, uh, this last year I was reminded of it as we finished our story uh, of adopting two little girls uh, from the foster system. After being foster parents for a number of years, praying, discerning, walking along that path, God was incredibly faithful in what he had planted a number of years before. Uh, now, my wife still is discerning that call, if we're going to add more to our family. I think we're good. I think we're good with four, just let, putting that on the record. Uh, but how do we hear from God? I think it's, it's a great question to be asked. Um, there are a number of principles we're covering over these weeks um, that ask this question of uh, what does it mean to look and think and act more like Christ? And uh, if you watched last week, it's a process that we call discipleship. Uh, in John 8, Jesus is asked, who are your disciples? And Jesus says, uh, those who hear what I teach and do it. Those are the two important things of what it means to be a disciple. It doesn't mean you're just hanging out, right, with the big guy. 
Uh, doesn't mean you just are, you know, around other Christians. Those who hear what I say and put it into practice, those are my disciples. And the shape that we're going to learn today is all about hearing and doing. You know, I can't help, as I was preparing for this message, to think of in light of this pandemic, uh, in light of all the ways that we have uh, many things to disagree on, many different positions or perspectives, many things that would divide us right now. I think of arguments that I'm reading on Facebook, and I can't help but read every single comment going down. Uh, And even for myself to feel, you know, strongly about certain things, but then to read something and feel like, okay, I'm, I'm moving this way and I'm moving that way. What a unique time to be alive. The political division in our country, I think, is more divided than it ever has been before. What what an incredible posture for us to take than to say, okay, these are important things that are happening. We should be discussing them. We should, as a people of God, uh, be speaking into those. But to have a posture of saying, God, what is it that you would say to me right now And would you give me the courage to act on it? That is the core of what it means to follow Christ. So there's two questions that come off of this. Number one, are we listening? Are we listening to what God would say? Uh, Our our mission statement as a church is leading people into a focused life with Jesus Christ. And in traditional, uh, normal years, that usually is speaking into a culture where it's a million miles a minute where you're running from this thing to the next, and you're going to sports practices, and you have too many events to be able to keep your calendar. And what a shift has happened over the last several months, where for a lot of us, our lives look a lot different than they did before. But one thing that I've found is the focused life, a life that is intentionally seeking the Lord, doesn't happen automatically just because my calendar changes. And I've tried to say, okay, how can I intentionally try to listen to what it is that God is saying to me? How how can I intentionally try to keep my ears open to spend time in the Word, time in prayer, time in meditation, time in fellowship with other believers, so that I'm able to hear from God? And then number two is equally important. It's not just hearing what God is saying, but am I actually going to do something about it? Are we a people of action? And if you do these things, if you listen to what God is saying and you do it, you will be fulfilling the greatest calling you could ever fulfill. You will be a disciple of Jesus. You'll be living out the word of God. And I am confident that if you do this, there will be a transformation in your heart that will bring about transformation in the place that you are called to. Transformation in your home transformation in your marriage, transformation in your workplace, transformation in your neighborhood, if you would listen and apply what God is saying. A number of years ago, I had the opportunity to uh, go on this long backpacking trip in the Grand Tetons in Wyoming. Uh, And it was incredible, kind of going up and down these switchbacks, seeing peaks, seeing glaciers. Uh, As a younger guy, I was just just mesmerized by the entire thing. We got to this one point, uh, it was about the halfway point of our, of our hike, uh, and it was this nondescript uh, location that didn't look like anything in particular. It wasn't a peak, it wasn't a valley. In fact, it was just a bunch of kind of gravel in a long line. 
and there was a little sign there that said continental divide. And the continental divide is where water falls on one side or the other dictates whether that water will go one direction towards the east coast or the other direction towards the west coast. I was reminded of that recently because Francis Schaeffer, who is a notable theologian and a writer, a great thinker, philosopher of the last century, he would often take his disciples, those who followed him, to a peak over in Europe. And he would say this line, I'm going to quote him, he says, Right here the snow falls. When spring comes, it will melt. It will run into streams and rivers. If it flows to the right, it will go into the Rhone and eventually into the Mediterranean. If it goes to the left, it will travel to the cold North Sea. The issue is settled here. Which way will the water flow? Here it is decided where it will go. I was not that poetic when I was at the Continental Divide myself, but there's a great illustration there. He took his disciples to that point to say, this is where two paths lead off. We're coming off our series all about wisdom through the book of Proverbs that talked about the path of the wise and the path of the fool. And I couldn't help but think of this, which way will it go? Jesus said to my disciples, my disciples are those who listen and put into practice what I say. And when they do that, they are moving down the path that I desire for them. They're moving in the right direction. But that simple action of saying, God, I want to do what it is that you're saying to me, moves you in the way that you should go. In the Gospels, in the New Testament, there were lots of people who were following Jesus or wanted to follow Jesus. But Jesus would come to a place of challenge and then they'd fall away. What will happen if you decide to follow Jesus? Where will the water flow in your life? Take what the Lord is saying to you, hear it, and put it into practice. If you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to open to Mark chapter 1. This is the very start of Jesus' ministry in the book of Mark. And a quick reminder, if you have a smartphone, the Bible app is an absolutely free um, app on the App Store um, that we happen to use each week for post-it notes and that kind of thing, but you can uh, be able to find great studies and, and ways to get into the Word there. We're going to be in, in Mark chapter 1. In the start of the book of Mark, uh, it begins with Jesus' baptism, and he's baptized by John. Um, there's this the Holy Spirit descends and God the Father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is an amazing moment. I can imagine for anyone who was there, their mouths are just like jaw agape trying to take this all in. Any public relations expert would say, leverage that Jesus. This is a great way to catapult your ministry in. But you read through it and uh, that's not what happens. The Spirit compels Jesus uh, to go out into the wilderness for 40 days where he's tempted by Satan and where he spends time fasting and, and seeking the Lord. And he comes back and in verse 14, it's the first words of Jesus in the book of Mark. And it's where I want us to land today. He says, after John was put in prison, speaking of John the Baptist, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. He's like coming out of the wilderness, coming into uh, his, his ministry. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. 
Uh, another translation would be, repent and believe the gospel. So there are two things that Jesus is asking us to do here. He's asking us to repent. And he's asking us to believe. Now what comes to mind when you think of repentance? You know, most of us have this like, ugh, I don't know if I like repentance. In fact, in our culture, in our society, uh, a lot of people have a distaste for, for that word. If you read through the Gospels, repentance actually is this, this beautiful thing. It's, it's defined as a change of heart that shows up in a lifestyle or a behavioral change. Repentance can also be thought of as a change of mind. Uh, repentance, we read through scriptures, is actually for a gift for us. When we see something that's in our life that is illuminated as contrary to what God wants for us, the Bible says that it, it, the gift of repentance is us changing our mind from what the flesh wants to saying, God, I want what you want in my life. That repentance could actually leave you, leave you if you're on a path away from God, it could be repentance that brings you on a path to God. To say, God, I want what you want for my life. We think of the other half of this statement from Jesus, and he says, believe the gospel. And for the purpose of what we're thinking through here, this is speaking of belief not just as a mind thing, but think of it this way, we act in the manner in which we believe. If I believe something is true, that is going to cause me to move in a direction that, that affirms that belief. So as, a, as a side example, I believe my wife loves me. Right? That, that belief is deep, that there's an identity there that comes from us as husband and wife. And so I act assuming that my wife loves me, and so I do things uh, to nurture that relationship, to fill that relationship. Belief ties to action. And so for today's shape, today's principle, we want to lean into this idea of hearing and doing. And what I want to begin with is, is beginning with this concept of time. There are two words for time that are used in the original Greek. One is this, idea, this word called chronos. And chronos is a word that we get the word chronology from. Time as it moves forwards. Uh, seconds, weeks, months, years. Uh, traditionally, as time moves ahead, you can connotate that here in this, this arrow. Uh, a second word, though, that comes from the Greek that refers to time is this word kairos. And kairos is a little bit different than chronos. Uh, kairos is an event uh, or an opportunity, a, a moment of time where everything changes because it's the right time. Uh, it's in a kairos moment that the rules of chronos that moves forward maybe hold still. Uh, another way to think of this is uh, a, a kairos moment could be a time when the kingdom of heaven is trying to break through. We think about what Jesus just said here in this passage, that the, the time has come, kairos. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, it's interesting, throughout the, the Bible, when Jesus is speaking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is both now, in that uh, Jesus' life and ministry on earth ushered in the kingdom of heaven on earth, but it is also not yet it's not in its fullness. We won't experience the fullness of the kingdom of God uh, until Christ returns. But there are moments where the kingdom of God is trying to break 
through, where you and I as followers of Christ can be listening and discerning and finding moments where God is trying to do something incredible in our lives. Think of Kairos as God-appointed time, a moment where we should stop and listen. Now some thoughts about Kairos. A Kairos moment can be both positive or negative. You know, even that description of an event where time stands still. I shared at the beginning of this the birth of my children. I remember being there in the delivery room, all the gory details. I remember who was standing where. I remember that first moment that I held my, my kids in my arms. Uh, what an incredible moment where time seemed to stand still. Or even I think back to my wedding day. I remember that moment my wife came around the corner the first time that we saw each other that day and took my breath away. That I remember where, where people were sitting in the room. I remember where she was standing, a Kairos moment. Uh, but Kairos can also be negative. Think of the death of a loved one. You know, something that we're like, man, that just sticks out in my memory. Think of a tragedy. How many of us remember if you were alive, where you were, what was happening around you when you heard about the news of September 11th? Uh, these are moments where, uh, you know, positive or negative, they're rarely neutral. Kairos moments can also be recognized by the impact that they leave on you. Uh, there, there can be a moment where something happens and you're putting your head on your pillow that night and you're like, man, that, that, that seems like something was happening there. There was, there, was a, there was something that maybe God was trying to get my attention with. And then Kairos moments, ultimately for the purpose of discipleship, which is what we're talking about through this elementary series, they signal events or opportunities where we can grow. And for those reasons, there are moments where we want to try to lean into these. And so recognizing Kairos moments in our life, and they're happening all around us all the time, I think is a key to living out the focused life. Because you think about that example of uh, maybe our normal schedules, aside from this COVID pandemic, uh, where our lives are just running, 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 running a million miles a second. Do we take time to notice moments where God is trying to get our attention. And what I would say is the life of a believer says, I want to find those times where God is trying to say something to me. Now, there are different moments where God can be trying to speak to you, teach you something, move you in a new direction. Um, you know, sometimes there's practical times where that can happen, though. Maybe during a message. I can't tell you how many times I've sat in a sermon and been like, man, I feel like God is speaking directly to me right now. That can be a Kairos moment. Uh, I think of reading scriptures. It's so important for us as believers to be spending time in God's word ourselves. And I'll be reading through something and be like, man, that, that's sticking out to me in a way that has never stuck out before, a Kairos moment. Uh, it can be in moments of meditation, uh, you know, times that you're, you're praying or seeking the Lord where God is trying to speak to you. And so what do you do in those moments? What we use is, is a shape, a way of talking about this here, uh, that we call the circle. And the first step is to observe. To come to this place of saying, man, that feels different. That feels like maybe God's trying to get my attention. And obviously, the more that we lean into this, the more that we're able to recognize those things that are around us. The main question that you're trying to ask in this step is what? What happened? What made you feel that way? Uh, what does that remind you of? Uh, and if you are too shallow here and just kind of skip along, you'll miss what God is trying to say. 
But it's not enough just to observe. The next step is to reflect. And it's in reflection that we lean into not just what, but why. We mentioned a second ago that often uh, Kairos moments are uh, uh, tied to an emotion. That there can be an emotion that comes out in those those moments. And so why did I react that way? Why did that emotion come up? Why does God seem blank? Why does this feeling seem familiar maybe with something else that's going on? Uh, It's in this reflection that we want to dig to the root of what's actually going on. Uh, Just by way of example, anger often isn't isn't tied directly to the root of what's making you feel angry. In fact, it's, it's, it might be something that you're feeling hurt or feel fearful of, jealous, rejection, something totally different. It could be something that maybe it's less painful to deal with your anger than it is to deal with the actual hurt that's associated with it. And so often when we dig deeper, when we work uh, in, in the sense of trying to figure out something that's happening, um, that we're able to reflect on what God is actually trying to say. And so these first two steps, they deal with who? Us. Me, right? Like, I can do this completely on my own. I don't need anybody else to to be part of this process. I can observe and reflect what's missing from this when you think about how we're meant to be in the church. Community. Relationships. And so the next step is discuss. This is when we... We, we already asked uh, the, the what and the why. Now we ask who. Who can we open up to to talk to about this? Um, the, the goal is to run to where we, what we think we're hearing and to validate that with other men and women of faith who are able to come alongside us. Now this can be with a trusted friend. Um, it can be with a counselor. Sometimes when you're dealing with some of these hard root issues, this is something that you're saying, hey, I feel like I'm working on this, and, and a, a licensed counselor can be someone that helps you with that. Here at Community Church, we would say groups are incredibly important because what better place to have a regular rhythm of discussion of what God is saying than in communities of believers that we're in with other people. That our groups wouldn't just be a club where we get together and enjoy some hospitality, that we're at a place where we're able to actually discuss what God might be speaking or teaching or moving in us. And so sometimes there's a sense of vulnerability that comes with discussion. And you might right now say, I'm, I'm comfortable with maybe the introspection. I'm comfortable with the, you know, thinking about it, observing it, and reflecting on it. But do I really need to bring other people along for the journey? And my encouragement for you would be to ask the question, what is it that scares you about opening up about these types of things in your life where God is trying to get your attention with other believers? And that my hope and prayer for you as one of the pastors here at this church is that you would find community where you are able to feel comfortable enough uh, to open up and discuss. And so observe, reflect, and discuss. We tie all this to this action that Jesus says there of repentance. And all of it leads to this single question, what is God saying? What is God saying? trying to say to me? How is he trying to get my attention? What what is it that he's actually speaking there? 
But I can think of many examples in my own life where I've been like, oh, that's interesting. God's, God's teaching me something. I might even talk about it with Jesse here and be like, man, like Jesse's confirming. I think God's saying this to you. Uh, and then be like, okay, I'm good. Let me just continue on in life. And I think it's, it's a halfway approach to what God actually wants to do for us when we listen and don't do. And so the other half of the circle has all to do with doing. And so the first thing we do is we develop a plan. And this can be an action step. This can be something that you're moving forward in. Uh, something that says, as a result of what God is saying, this is how I'm going to do something different. My wife is incredible in that she's able to accomplish uh, all sorts of things, uh, where I often am like, if I could do half of what she does, I'd be really, really happy. But she has lists everywhere, little small steps where she's like, these are the three things I'm going to make sure I get done today. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to learn a lot of those skills as I, as I see her. Uh, your, if Kairos moments are constantly happening, you might say, this feels exhausting. This idea of constantly listening and trying to apply things that God's uh, trying to say to me. But my encouragement would be that a plan can be this single step in a direction that says, God, I'm going to follow through on what you're trying to teach me. Think about even back to that continental divide, a, a single uh, movement of the water in a direction that God desires for you to go. And the question with plan is how? How are we going to do it? Think of tangible ways that this can be accomplished, little steps that you can take this week. The next step comes in account. I've led a number of men's groups over the years, and just thinking of men on this, uh, on, on topics of things that God's calling them towards, and how the power of accountability, the power of someone else that's going to hold you accountable. When I lead a group, or when I am uh, in conversation with someone, um, I have a really quick to lose memory, and so I'll write down, hey, this is what, this is what they were saying, they were thinking God was saying, what they were planning to do, and the next time I'll ask them about it. And even that action of knowing someone's going to ask you about something that you're planning to do has incredible power to move you towards action. And again, it moves from this place of not just individualism, but bringing people into relationship. You know, at Community Church, we think of this discipleship culture we want to be. Our groups should be a place where we're able to open up about what we're planning to do and that people are, are coming alongside us to encourage us in that way. And then the last piece is to act. To do, to move, to start doing something that God is calling you to do. Uh, and that is where the rubber hits the road when it comes to Christian faith. And so on this half of the circle, we have plan, account, act. This is where we would say belief would come from that command of Christ. And the question that we're asking here is not what God is saying, but what am I going to do about it? What am I actually going to put into practice as a result of what God is trying to teach me? When it comes to discipleship, this, this is the core that's there. And so we go through this principle. There may be times where you are thinking through the full circle and taking things around the circle. Uh, but, you know, even at a fundamental level to ask the question, what is God saying to me? And what am I going to do about it? Let me just give you a quick example as we close. Um, as a staff, we participated in a conference a few months ago, and it was a virtual conference that we were able to all watch together. 
Uh, and our staff has a regular um, you know, mode of trying to process things, so I was taking notes and trying to see what I could glean from this conference. And there was a particular speaker uh, who made this statement. He said, don't confuse the what of what you do with the how you've always done it. And so he's speaking, and obviously this can apply in a lot of things when it comes to uh, the quarantine and social distancing. But for me as a, as a leader, don't confuse the what of what you do as a pastor with the how you've always managed to do it on Sunday mornings. And for me, it was eye-opening because I observed this thing. I'm like, man, that feels like, that's, that's really resonating with me. I really liked it. I underwrote it in my notes. And as I was reflecting later, it caused me to process and realize that I had put so much time into making Sundays happen previously. And Sundays are great. I can't wait till we're back to gathering together. We are counting down and praying for that day when it comes. But so much of my effort early in this period of time was just saying, oh, I'm just going to wait for things to get back to normal, or I'm going to put all this effort back into Sunday recordings because that is where, that's what I do. That's how I've always done it. And God said, no, there's more to what I'm calling you towards as a shepherd than simply the production of gathering together. And uh, as a staff, after this conference, we were processing, all talking together about things that we had pulled out, and I discussed it with them. People confirmed it and said, oh yeah, that's something that resonates with me. It, it, it validated what God was trying to say to me at that moment. And so over here on the plan side, Pastor Allen is my direct supervisor. Told that to, to Pastor Allen, we're coming up with plans. I'm adjusting my calendar, blocking out times to say, I need to be spending time caring for individuals, for the flock, for groups, and different pieces that are out there. As a direct action, my actions were changed from what they were grossly before as a result of this. And being my boss, uh, Pastor Allen is holding me accountable to make sure that, that I go through those processes. And so action is coming that hopefully I am better as a, as a younger leader here on staff uh, to be able to lead more effectively because what God is trying to say to me on an active basis. Does this make sense? This, this process of hearing and doing what God is trying to say. Now, we uh, on staff often will remember the acronym as ORDPA to try to remember the different pieces that are out there. There's different ways that you, you may process this and love this. But I don't want you to feel burdened by the fact that you have to remember all of this to be able to put this into practice. In fact, I think you could come to nothing else than remembering what is God trying to say to me in any given moment where he's trying to get my attention. And what am I going to do about it? And in fact, those two questions are something I ask at the end of most of my one-on-ones, most of my conversations, most of the, the things that I'm leading. Because if you did nothing else as the people of God than that, you're going to take ground when it comes to this, this concept of discipleship. I just feel so grateful that, that God is not done with us, that God is constantly working, that even going back to that earlier example, the infinite creator of the universe beyond our comprehension wants to give us stuff that we can do that's filled with purpose. How incredible. And even in light of what's happening right now, that, that God may give us a unique word and that I could get out of the way and put my opinion agenda on the side and say, God, I want what you have for this circumstance. I think that's what the world needs right now. So we did this last week. Let's, let's do this again. If you would close your eyes right now. And in light of what you just heard, would you ask God, what is it that you might be saying to me here in this moment? 
I want to give a moment just for you to, to process that. What is it that the Father might be uniquely trying to speak to you, whispering to your ear? Maybe you know what it is and you've been trying to ignore it. Maybe it's something you've been going so fast and you, even with maybe your calendar changed, you filled it with other things. What is God trying to say to you right now as a son or daughter of his? And obviously, it's going to take some time to process, but would you say, God, I am willing to take a step in a direction of what you're calling me towards. We want to say yes to God. Father, right here in this moment, we declare that we are a people dependent on you. God, would you be shaping us and molding us? Would you be teaching us what it means to look and think and act like you? And God, would you give us influence in our communities, in our families, in our, in our neighborhoods, God, in this nation? God, we continue to lift up this country, lift up this world, pray for you to work, a divine work. And God, that you would call us for such a time as this. What an incredible thing. So we just declare our, our need and our devotion to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.